Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. We'll ask him about uh, what's going on around the NBA and uh, specifically with uh, with the Utah Jazz and kind of what's what's next to come, Gordon, as uh, right now they're in revenue count-up mode and there's a lot of unanswered questions out there before really the NBA can move further. Yeah, really. I mean, and I don't know who has the answers. Maybe nobody yet. I mean, who knows at this point? I just hope that the uh, cooperation between the league and the union continues the way it's gone. Because it's been, it's been really good. They, yes. they both pitched in for their mutual benefit. And unlike, say, baseball, where there was a lot of contention in basketball, they, they really – both the players and the league pulled off a really monumental feat with the bubble, and it's going to take more cooperation, I think, to to get some more stuff done. So I just really hope that continues. How many times in labor negotiations have you seen, have you thought to yourself, man, we get it, it's complicated, but cooperate. That's the word you use, and I think it's a great word. You know, because you got to understand that there can be cooperation and there can be compromise. Uh, on on the parts of both sides, that's what you hope happens. Because <laughs> if one side wins all the time, sooner or later, they're going to lose. All right, uh, let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. Uh, T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. He's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Our friend David Locke. David, what's happening? Hello, friends. How are you? I'm really good, David. Gordon. I'm well. How about yourself? Pretty out. It's going to get a little cold. Might get a little snow. Do those leg workouts, Jake Scott. Ski season's coming. Oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready for it. Are you as passionate about skiing, David, as you ever have been? Oh, I, uh, yeah, still. Like, mm-hmm. It's like, why? Like, I made a comment the other day about my father, and I was like, oh, he just lives to ski. Like, the only thing he lives for is to ski. And someone's like, the only thing? I was like, yeah, totally. And they were like, that's so brutal. And I was like, no, no, it's great. Like, that's fine. Like, <laughs> he's 82. Like, he just he wants to ski. Like, Okay, let me, let me ask you this question, David, as a lifelong Utah skier. If the conditions, not a powder day, but the snow is fairly new and soft, what is the best ski run in Utah? Um, probably climbing off of McConkie's, um, at Park City and up to Jupiter Peaks. But that means you're taking off your skis and climbing for like 30 minutes. So that's, um, that's probably, but that's probably my favorite, like turns in all of Utah on a good snow day. Um, you know, anything on the more accessible, um, so not climbing and not even really traversing the circuit snowbird is pretty exceptional. Um, some of the stuff at snow basin might be as good a terrain as anything you can get. Um, high rustler Delta is like Epic and even, um, there's a run, which I, but you've got to take that whole damn traverse to get there where you hook around the, um, on the front side and then you hook around the back and kind of work your way down. That can get you a lot of turns. I mean, the problem with Utah mountains is they're very stair steppy. 
So if you go to Colorado or you're in Canada at Whistler, you're getting you know two, th- two, three thousand vertical feet on a consecutive run, and we just don't have that. Like as great as the circuit is, it's frankly you know whatever amount of turns into a stair step into Andersons into a stair step into Silver Fox, right? Um, Solitude's re- runs are really short. Um, so the, the one reason I choose that Park City run is it's probably longer, but I also took off my skis and climbed up a hill for 30 minutes to get there. So, I mean, that's the one problem with what we have in our skiing. Our snow is better than everyone else, and our amount of mountains that are close to get to are great. But um, the lack of consistent vertical is, it would, be our, would be our negative. David, have you ever been hella skiing? Um, yes. Um, in fact, I knocked off a major bucket list item last year when my 81 year old father and myself and my two children all went helicopter skiing together during all-star break in February. Little did we know how lucky we were to get that done. Man, your dad at 81 or 82 years old can do that. That is fantastic. Day three, he, he passed. He, the, um, actually was interesting is, what was most difficult was getting in and out of the helicopter. Hmm. He was fine skiing, but getting in, eh, he was fine skiing until he fell. Then, you know, he falls with it. Yeah, no, my dad's awesome. And then I have a picture on my wall of my dad and I skiing, in which he called half his age. And so my dad in the picture was 62 and I was 31. And we're helicopter skiing in Canada and have, um, um, the exact we're making the exact same turn like our hands are in the same it's pretty cool i'll send it to you nobody else cares i've been asked like you you know the old question you ever get asked by everybody is like if you if you've got all the money in the world like what would be different in your life and that's the that's the only thing that like i answer on that like you know like somehow windfall is like oh by the way your old great uncle you never met before just left you 45 million dollars right um like that's my answer i would like just chase powder like that's what i would do if i suddenly had endless funds and i would helicopter ski on long trips what's uh one last question for you on this david what's the deepest powder you've ever found yourself in no probably something here i mean there've been unskiable days here so I don't, I don't, I don't remember. But unski. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had days that are so deep here that it's really hard to ski. You need a snorkel, huh? Yes. Nothing better, Jake. Nothing better than what curls over the top of your head, right? Oh yeah, great. Uh, it's a great feeling. I, I love Utah. I love living here. Skiing is is certainly one of the the reasons why it's pretty pretty incredible that uh, from my front door, David, I can get to seven different ski resorts within 25 minutes. I, I might even invite you. I might invite you to lunch at the camper van this year. You never know. Like I'm planning to take that. that that's going to be my ski resort. Let's do it. Get to the resort. At, get to the resort at seven. Get some more work done. Take a little nap. Pop out at nine. Have lunch in the camper van. <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me. It's good. Ski. It's going to be the ski van this summer. This winter. Uh, David, I want to run a theory by you about the Rockets' vacant head coaching position. Uh, could it be that they're trying to uh, give Jeff money or Jeff uh, Jeff Van Gundy a lot of money, tons of money to get him out of the broadcast booth because no one else wants to take that job? And my theory is is that Tillman uh, Fertitta uh, came out the other day and said that the, nothing needs to be blown up, that their championship window is still open with this current team. So why would a coach want to go in there with that kind of expectations in a roster that's not really built to be a championship team? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't buy it because there's only 30 of them. And so anybody would take, you know, it's pretty, 
we've seen a lot of people take bad NBA jobs knowing they're bad NBA jobs because there's only 30 of them. Um, that might be not a great NBA job because that ownership does seem to have some nutty expectations. And, um, you know, he seems, you know, like Mike D'Antoni was doing a pretty good job. Um, so I don't know if the Daryl Morey resignation, which was certainly surprising, um, is slowed down their coaching search if they're just going to announce it tomorrow because the Pelicans were announcing it today. And for all we know, you know, Jeff would have known that Stan was taking that job. Um, and that's the delay. Um, we know we are seeing these all finally fill, right? So Doc went first and then Tyrone Liu and then Borkman in um, Indiana. And now we see Stan Van Gundy today. So they are – the dominoes are all falling and they're all interplayed. I'm, I'm a little surprised by some of the hires. So, um, and the, and the way it's going, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Jeff Van Gundy would just surprise me there, but, um, it's been talked about an awful lot. He's been a leader in that job for a long time and, um, they've been pretty quiet otherwise on their search though. So Steven Silas is a name I've heard a good deal and, um, as a possibility. And then there's a really interesting kind of, uh, John Lucas, who, you know, who does not have great coaching resumes, but have been around there for a long time, has got a little bit of a ground, a strange groundswell, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And sometimes, when it doesn't make sense, you probably should listen to it. This sort of dichotomy that you had talked to us about before, David, about some franchises hiring young up and comers, guys who may think bring a fresh look to the ideas. And then these guys that have been around, like Stan Van Gundy, forever, and they get sort of recirculated. I, I, what would you do if you were a team owner? Uh, you know, there have been a bunch of studies that have been on this. I did one. I know a few teams that have done them, and I've been fortunate enough to uh, had some people share them with me because the study I did on coaching, and then they shared with me what they've done, and. I thought I had found some findings and their studies were more detailed. And the fact is there's really nothing that tells you how to do this. Um, I do believe uh, you have to have some head coaching experience beforehand. Um, now I think G league is great. If that's the head coaching experience, I think college is fine. If that's the head coaching experience, but I do think you have to have been a head coach and led a program to whether it's the, you know, on some level before being an NBA head coach, um, you know, Nick nurse, who's been very successful had been a G league head coach, right? Quinn had Missouri and G league. I think that's super important. Taylor Jenkins who did a great job in Memphis had been a G league coach. So I, um, I would want some G league experience or college head coaching experience from someone I was hiring. Um, I just think that that would be probably my criteria of what I needed. And that's, and then I think it's a crapshoot after that. Um, but I don't – the only thing I would really stay away from is the longtime NBA assistant who has not been a head coach. That was the one in what my research showed that has a hard time um, breaking through uh, to being successful. Um, now there's probably exceptions to that rule. And that was really the point of the two people that kind of shared with me their studies when I did mine, which was there's just not a lot of not a lot of answers on, on the right way to hire. So based on that uh, head coaching experience take, David, I'm guessing you don't love Steve Nash uh, in Brooklyn. No, I actually do. One of the things that generally has been pretty successful is, frankly, players former players, you know, you can criticize Jason Kidd a lot, but he won a lot of games and Jeff Warnesek won early, didn't hold 
that didn't hold for Jeff. Um, but actually, that model was not awful. Um, and I'm trying to think of there's a few others that stepped into that. So that actually has not been as bad as you would have thought it would be. I'd be surprised. So, no, I think that there's a chance that actually might work. Steve, you agree with Steve Kerr, general manager to coaching is interesting. Um, I mean, the Jazz just adding Dell Demps is super interesting. So there's someone who's going to have been a GM, then an assistant. Hat, won't have had a head coaching experience, but if someone hires him, I think that in a few years, that would be really interesting, and he's a great guy. So um, that one, that one's an interesting pattern for me. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to think. There are some other head, for players who became head coaches without a lot of experience that actually worked. I mean, the one that hasn't, like I'm just trying to think of an example, like the Tyrone Corbin, the Jock Vaughn. Um, there's some others that weren't, that aren't, haven't matched that one great. What do you think of Steve Ballmer saying that he hired the best coach in the NBA, Ty Lowe? I used to live in Seattle when Steve Ballmer was the CEO and used to watch his silly Microsoft things all the time, so I just don't take a lot of it very seriously. Hmm. That's interesting. Just uh, just a lot of um... – I mean, he was just kind of known as a big showman that, like, put gotcha. on these incredible – you know, yelling and screaming. Go search – Google search Steve Ballmer Microsoft uh, presentation and see what you find, and you'll you'll follow me. David, Lock- like I'm just not convinced. Like I'm not convinced that Steve Ballmer should be being given the accolades as this great NBA owner yet. Oh, I I certainly agree with that take. Uh, you know, we'll see. Just because you're outspoken and active and all that sort of thing doesn't make you good. Super rich. Right. I mean, the one that's interesting is now Steve Cohen with the Mets. So Ballmer is just, you know, you know, proportionately richer than every other NBA owner right now. There's some that are close, but no one's really close, frankly. And Steve Cohen, I think is his name, just bought part of the Mets. Mm-hmm. And he's the same thing, but they don't have a salary cap. So he can spend whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, that's a, so it's a really interesting to watch whether or not these owners that just of the richest we've never had, I'm sure we have, but it doesn't feel as though we've had ownership inside of this world. that's just this dramatically richer than all the other owners. Like there's some crazy number on like Ballmer of how many NBA owners you can put together to get to Ballmer's wealth. Who's the worst owner in the NBA? (laughs) Why would you ask me a question like that? (laughs) You don't need to answer. I mean, is Michael? Ooh, he could be a candidate. Certainly, Dolan. Uh, the, the, Dolan's, the, Dolan's the worst. Dolan's the worst. The, the new guy with the Kings seems like he's he's kind of a wingnut. Yeah, let's let's stop. Dolan's the worst. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Done. I mean, for all sor- sorts of reasons, like white supremacy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, David, if you were to if we were to pin you down, let me let me ask it this way. If you were to sneak into Dennis Lindsay's office and look at his list of priorities on the whiteboard, what do you think the ranking would be uh, from, say, the top three, three, two, one? Oh, I think internal improvement has got to be one, just where they are as a franchise has to be. Internal improvement is probably one. Um, You know, if you're asking, can you get a little, you know, they went from, I think I think they could they get a little longer. Um, you know, they went from being really big to pretty small. They went from being 
you know, the best way it was phrased to me is they went from a team who had a very small margin of error offensively. They were great defensively, kind of their margin of error defensively. They were great kind of no matter what. And they swapped to a team that's margin of error defensively got very thin. Um, and offensively, they were kind of great no matter what. Um, and so can they find a way to widen that margin of error defensively while maintaining their offensive prowess would be maybe the answer. Um you know, that's maybe wanting your cake and eating it too. Like I always joke about like, well, we got to get more athletic and better shooting. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know what the really athletic guy who can shoot is? He's an all-star. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, you know, are we willing to lose some of our shooting to get more athletic um, and longer? I don't know. I mean, I think the interesting one for me, and I just don't know how you can do it, but I mean, I even talked about on my podcast of like, and you're not you're certainly not more athletic at this point, but like an interesting one to me a little bit is let's say you added Paul Millsap to the roster. Okay, so Denver resides Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap becomes a free agent, they're not gonna re sign him, and you give an very an aging, a very aging Paul Millsap a two year eight million dollar deal and he's interested in taking it for some reason. Um, and I'm just using this as a scenario because the listeners know who Paul Millsap is, not because I really think that's likely. I'm just trying to give you someone. So suddenly Millsap becomes your four and Boyan becomes your three. And maybe you, and Donovan, you know, and maybe you start Royce O'Neal and Donovan and Mike Conley comes off the bench. Like there's a lot of pieces here that I just threw around, like just wildly. And so this isn't, but all of a sudden you just became big. Right. Whereas when you have Donovan and Mike at six one as your guards, and maybe you're actually starting Joe as your two. Now I don't think you can really play Boyan and Joe together a great deal. Like you're really not like Millsap, Boyan, Joe, and Donovan Mitchell. We might allow a hundred points in the first quarter, um, even with Rudy. So that doesn't seem great. Um, but I'm just trying to play. Like and so there's I, I know. Sorry, I'm getting caught up in the fact that I know someone's going to like quote me on this. And like I'm just playing. Like we're just throwing spaghetti on the wall. Like. If you slide Boy onto the three and now you're six nine, six nine and you have a six four shooting guard instead of a six one shooting guard, you know, you just got like an inch taller at the four, you got three inches taller at the three, and you got three inches taller at the two. You just got big. David last thing. So is, oh sorry, go is ahead. Is there a way is there a way to do something of that sort with this roster where you can where you can get bigger? without losing some of your prowess. David, you mentioned Paul Millsap, and, and uh, you sparked a question in my mind I want to run by you. Paul is one of the the very few people, that or NBA players that I can think of, that went from being a bad shooter to a good shooter, or, or even a, a below-average outside shooter to a good shooter. Like Jason Kidd's an example, uh, I think, but I, I, I have trouble coming up with a bunch of examples. How often do NBA players actually get significantly better shooting the outside shot? Well, Paul's evolution is unique, but it's happening a lot, right? Because Brooke Lopez is doing it, and now Robin Lopez is doing it with a three-point shot. And so um, I do think there's a general feeling that you can take a a non-shooter and make them adequate in the NBA. You can't make someone longer. You can't make them more athletic. You can't make them taller. You can't make them quicker. But there is a feeling that you can make someone shoot a little bit better. What I think is interesting is I don't know that you can teach them. I wonder how much you can teach them to pass. 
Uh, is that innate? Like, do you just see that? Is that natural? Can you teach decision making? Maybe not, right? Like, I'm watching, I watched Jaden McDaniels, six nine, was like the fifth biggest top five recruit in the country, went to Washington last year. So he's six nine, 210 pounds. Like, he's gorgeous. Like, from an NBA standpoint, you're like, oh my God, he came out of a factory. He's dreamy. Like, he, he didn't seem to me to be able to make any decision at all. Like, he's still watching him, and I only watched one game, but he still looks to me like the high school player who scores 50 a night, which he did once against Todd Beamer High School. He scored 52 points in a high school game because every time he gets it, he tries to score, and he still looked like that watching him. Now, do I believe that that player can evolve into something else? Like, his, he fades back on his shot, and it's not very good. Like, I think you can fix that. But can I teach him actually how to play with teammates and get him to actually think about the game in a different way? I don't know if you can do that. David, I have a question that's kind of related to that in some ways, and you hinted at it with some of your lineup uh, tweaks that you were just throwing spaghetti against the wall. But do you think that Donovan Mitchell will spend the majority of the rest of his career playing point guard or playing the – well i actually just think he's 6-1 and so it might that just might change that just might end the discussion like the league's not like the one of the biggest myths out there about the league is it's getting smaller it's getting bigger right oh what did miami have on the floor six four six four six seven six eight and bam out of bayou right right Mm -hmm. and then they just brought in guys that were like Andre Iguodala came in at 6'7", and Tyler Hero came in at 6'4", and Duncan Robinson came in at 6'7", and Jay Crowder came in at 6'8". Like, they just, there was just another 6'8 body. Like, I think that's where the the Lakers, Alice Caruso is what, 6'6", Kyle Kuzma is 6'8", um, LeBron is Carl Malone size, um, Danny Green is what, 6'5", Cantavius uh, Caldwell-Pope is, was, was their smallest player at 6'4". Like, I just think if you're 6'1", you have to play with the ball in your hands now. Oh. And, and i actually beginning to think if you're 6'1", you have to have a guy who's, I mean, you don't have to, but, like, if you're 6'1", you might have to have a guy who's 6'5", next to you. Like uh, Eric Snow next to Allen Iverson. Yeah, right, very similar, right? Yeah, yeah very. Like, he took all the defensive assignments. Like, yep. And, um, and you know, the, the, the change that's happening in the game – sorry we wasted so much time on skiing because this is the more interesting conversation – so, you know, the players are geniuses. Like, never forget that the players are geniuses. And so they evolve with the game, and you can watch it happen at the time. Like, do you remember that silly foul we used to have where guys were ripping through on the screens and you'd get all the free throws and it was driving everyone crazy about that? Like, well, that's because defensive players started to fight over screens, and so the only way that players could deal with that was to draw that foul. Once they started doing enough, players stopped doing that. So – then the league dropped the big. Well, now the answer to the drop big is the pull-up three that we saw at nauseum and brilliantly by Jamal Murray, Tyler Hero, Donovan Mitchell, and every Dame Lillard in the bubble. Well, now that the pull-up off-the-bounce three is going to become the next play in the league, everyone's going to have one, you're going to have to double that. You, you have no choice but to double that. Now, are you doubling it with your big? And so Rudy Gobert is now doubling at six, at 30 feet, maybe. But then you're going to have to back rotate to in some capacity to get out of that double team, or you're going to have to really hard hedge if you're not doubling. And you're going to have to rotate, which means that everyone's going to have to be like size to be able to handle those rotations. 
You know, what you were just talking about there, David, reminds me of what Jerry Sloan told me once, and he was stressing it. It was so important to him to have a two-guard who could do what besides shoot? Rebound. Rebound. Jerry had a, Jerry had a yeah. note that, like, your two-guard had to average four or five rebounds a game to be able to win an NBA title. Now, Jeff Warnesteck didn't do that. So you wonder if that was, like, was that the missing piece that prevented the Jazz from getting their titles? <laughs> David, thank you very much. We always appreciate the conversation. It's my pleasure. Enjoy it immensely. Basketball talk is always good. Back at you, buddy. Thank you very much. See you. That's our friend David Locke. Jumps on with us uh, each and every Wednesday here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, we're helping our listeners with their relationships. We are helping so many guys out there with relationships and when it comes to erectile dysfunction, we often think, oh, the man has ED and, you know, that's too bad. But we have to realize that ED often affects two people, the man and his significant other. And we get a lot of spouses that call us every day, say, hey, my man, my husband, he's got ED. I need to get this fixed. So for the relationship, this is worth treating the root cause of the problem, which is what Wasatch Medical Clinic does. It uses acoustic wave therapy. FDA registered, uh, Cambridge studied, they mentioned in their study that all men experienced an increase in blood flow after going through these treatments. It's treating the root cause problem of ED, and you don't have to take the pill. That's the big takeaway from today. A fix for erectile dysfunction, no pills, no injections, and no surgery. And we're all really aware of studies in 2020. There's a lot of great studies out there that back this up. Yes, we are. You can go to the science page at wasatchmedicalclinic.com. That's gone from 12 clinical studies just maybe a few weeks ago to 40 now. They're all from uh, departments of urology, big colleges and universities all over the country and the world showing that acoustic wave therapy works for ED. It's clinically proven. It's safe. It's effective. It's lasting and on and on. The science is sound, and we can now stop the erectile dysfunction in its tracks. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. Get on that schedule, and you're doing a lot for our listeners right now. We really are. Call us now. There uh, is at least $500 in value for free today. The assessment, the exam, we're going to test your blood flow with ultrasound technology, which is really cool. You've probably never tested your blood flow before. We'll do that free. We'll throw in a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom free. And keep in mind right now, very limited time, new patients get free testosterone. We've got every angle of treating effectively the root cause of erectile dysfunction covered. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right. Sounds various clips, also known as Drop of the Day, coming up next, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? It's 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you, we're going to be at the warehouse for a football Friday coming up this Friday. 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low. It'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. It's time for Drop the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips. And uh, it, it was you, uh, Gordon, that discovered today's clip. Well, I haven't heard it, but I saw it and I thought... I think I'll run that by Austin and see if it gets the Austin seal of approval. So set it up for us. What are we listening to? Uh, It's some guy who is responding, leaving a voicemail regarding, I think, an iron worker position. Okay. This is Dan of Lawrenceburg, Indiana. I'm an iron worker, sheet metal worker. I'm a carpenter. I can read prints. Run most heavy equipment and all power tools. Have a driver's license and can pass any test. When I talk like this, I'm like you don't want to hire nobody because you want a bunch of drug addicts on your job. Listen to me. Phone number is 812. Y'all playing with a bunch of young boys out there. I'm 48 years old, I'll be 49. Quit playing with this boy. I need a job. I can go do what the hell you want me to do. I give you a resume where I worked on jobs. I worked on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame down in Cleveland. I can give you a bunch more. Y'all play too much. I'm dealing with these young kids. They're scared. Give me a call. This is about my fifth call trying to get a hold of y'all get a job. You guys suck. They can't even read blueprints. They don't even know how to read a tape measure. Come on, y'all. Piece of son of Give me a call. Bye. <laughs> wow. Now, now I feel bad for the guy. He needs a he needs a job. That's that's rough. I'm just he I'm can not, work almost all power tools. I'm just not sure that's the way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, you guys I mean, suck. <laughs> Give me a job. Give me a call. <laughs> He said the other guys are just a bunch of youngsters who uh, don't know what they're doing, can't even read a, what do you say? A, a tape, tape measure. measure. I think he called them drug addicts, too. He did. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how far that got him. Well, he's called five times. I'm sure the other four were similar. <laughs> they're not calling back. <laughs> you would, you hire some, would you hire somebody like that? Does that not sound like a determined uh, individual who would work his beep? Off. They're scared. Uh, not scared. He's not scared. He, he doesn't sound like he, he would m- maybe be the best co-worker, though. <laughs> you don't think teamwork would you be his strength? <laughs> I don't. It's just, have you ever worked with just a really downer person that just ruins the work environment for everybody? No. You and I worked with somebody like that once upon a time way back when. I know. I'm thinking of the same guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not you, Austin. Give me a call. (laughs) Bye. Give me a call. Did he say they suck or you suck? He said you guys suck. You guys suck. Give me a call. You guys guys suck. Call her back at me. Give me a call. Bye. Give me a call. Bye. Now, there's a a fine line between directness, being direct, being honest, being upfront about everything, and just taking it a smidge too far. Have a driver's license and can pass any test. Can pass the test. Hmm. 
Uh, should we use it uh, as an excuse to compare it to the other voicemail resume? Who did guy? it better? Yeah. Who did it better? To. Okay, let's yeah. let's do that. Mike, my name is Tom BS MBA patented inventor. I'm also a professional photographer and micro photographer. Shoot. Um, look, I'm the best of the best. I'm I'm about to come into big money. I mean, huge. But I have some temporary, maybe full, uh, permanent, uh, part-time working uh, necessities. I, I don't need to make much. Um, I don't live on much. I don't really like money. I mean, we all like money, but uh, my phone number is free. I'm very well educated and thought of. I'm incredibly smart. I'm a genius. Um, <laughs> um, People who study people like me think I might be one of the smartest people in the country. Anyhow, I have a lot of powerful friends, and uh, they want me to enter into politics soon. But my point is I need to make, you know, about 100 or two a week, and I'll do anything. I'll shovel I'll analyze stock values. I can do anything and have. Um, I have an education that would blow your arm off if you look at the resume, but my computer's down. And I'm just looking for some immediate part-time only. I can only make a thousand a month, I believe it is. I'm on disability. Um, I don't even look disabled. I'm terminally ill. I've been that way six years, three months to live. I don't look sick. Young women love me. And according to them, I'm hysterical and the smartest man they ever met. And I look good. That's a problem. Um, please give me a call. Again, my number is 533. It's a new number for me. It's my home number. Um, thank you. Bye-bye. That's my home number, and trust who me, I'm going to be home. Yeah, who are you hiring, guys? I'm hiring that guy. He's the got, second guy? Yeah, he's got an education that will blow no. your arm off. You're, you're, I, I you're in I trouble. Go, I go with the first guy. I do as well. the first guy is going to be up front with you, and yeah. you're not going to have to guess about what his, uh, what what level he is at when he's flinging the BS or not. The, the yeah. first guy may not have much of a resume, but it's real. The second guy's a, an inventor, a photographer, a cancer his, his resume is totally real. He just can't send it to uh, you BSMB right now. BSMB on and on. <laughs> he just can't send it because his computer's broken. I heard He'd him. be happy to send you the resume, but he can't. Yeah. I would think that he would be smart enough, being the genius that he is, that he'd be able to fix his computer so he could send you his resume. Mm. And, you know, if he had a lot of powerful friends, couldn't somebody help him find a job? You guys suck. And women find him remarkably attractive, and that's the problem. Hmm. Big problem for him, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. I, I'm going with I'm going with the OG, the original. Anyhow, I have a lot of powerful friends, <laughs> which is really important. I like it that he said he'd really sh he'd uh, literally shovel uh, manure. He said, I'll do anything. Yeah, but the other guy can pass the <laughs> test. That's true. He's about to run into all kinds of money, but money's not important to him. But he makes he needs to make, what do you say, a thousand a month? A thousand a month. Because That's all he, he can make. Because he has disability. some permanent part time, maybe all the time, all the time, maybe not all the time. He's got work. terminal illness. <laughs> but he doesn't look sick. He's had a terminal illness for six years, he said. Yeah, three months to live for six years. He's beaten the odds. He has. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 in The Zone. This is Dana Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Mike, my name is Tom. I'm an iron worker, sheet metal worker. I'm a carpenter. BS, MBA, patented inventor. I can read prints. 
I'm also a professional photographer and micro photographer. To run most heavy equipment and all power tools. Have a driver's license and can pass any test. Um, look, I'm the best of the best. I'm I'm about to come into big money. I mean, huge. But I have some temporary, maybe full, uh, permanent, uh, part-time working uh, necessities. I had never noticed that he said professional photographer and micro photographer what is a micro photographer is, is it is he a spy from the 60s isn't that the like microfilm wasn't he's really that? good with microfiche <laughs> you need a plot of land read at the county recorder's office he's oh, your guy man. he goes in there and where they have those overhead projectors or something he, oh he's the best gosh. of the best Jeez, micro photographer you need to get somebody behind the Ber- berlin wall to take a few photos <laughs> I don't think anybody wants your guy. Arm blown off, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> All right, it is uh, It is the big show. Uh, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, you, you um, fibbed earlier in the day and said that uh, you're, you're into the World Series. Are you going to be watching tonight? What do you mean? I watched the whole game last night. No, I'm sure you did. I did. Yeah, right. I mean, the guy who says, oh, I'm going to start watching baseball this year every year well, the is World actually Series watching is baseball. I really, I always watch the World Series, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm impressed by the Dodgers with the way they uh, the momentum they have going. Was that Kershaw's Phil Mickelson winning a major finally moment last night, Gordon? Well, he has uh, as great as he's been during the regular season. He has struggled in the postseason, and he looked pretty uh, pretty tough last night. And then they took him out, and when they took him out, then suddenly the Rays are. You know, or rallying a tad bit, and uh, but they got uh, snuffed out with that uh, with that wild play, with that yeah. line drive. I mean, that's one of the things that when I see pitchers who throw hard like that, they are pretty close to home plate. And when that screecher screamer, I guess, comes back at them like that, that's. Tough play to make. Well, the Rays them. got uh, Blake Snell on the bump tonight. Jake's favorite guy. I do like Blake Snell. You remember how we had uh, him for drop of the day once because he <laughs> said he's playing only for money and he's not making enough of it. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. While he was playing video games. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Blake Snell, uh, uh, who do you favor in tonight's matchup? I actually go with the Rays tonight. Blake Snell's really good. I hope so. hope they beat just beat the pants off of Gordon and PK's Dodgers. I'm not rooting one way or the other. Okay. I'm, I'm curious to see. How it goes. And, uh, you know, uh, an observation, that Mookie Betts, he can play. He can yeah, play that The Red game. Sox yeah. blew that one, didn't they? Mm. Whoops. We don't want to pay him that much money. Why would we want to do that? We don't want to win a bunch of World Series. Yeah, he was a pretty good acqui- uh, acquisition for them. Machado, they lose Machado from last year, right, and add him? Yep. Kind of, I guess, the headliner players. Not, not that, one not, the other. Right, 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 because they play different positions, but... Um, it seems to be working out. I've got a question, though, about baseball players. It seems like the mullet is really uh, popular these days. I, I don't have an answer for you. It's not. I like baseball, but hair and hairstyles is not really up my alley. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> I think Gordon should go with a good old mullet. No, thanks. Why? I don't want to. Why not? Business in the front. Party in the back. Party in the back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
old. I think it'd be nonsense. a good look for you. Only though, if no. you carve the steps into the sides, it'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah, it would be yeah, pretty sweet. Gordon, you should try it out. Seagulls. Try it out, not buddy. Give it a go. Nope. No. You had the feathered hair back in the day. Back in the day. How did you get I might that have, feathered? There, there, was, there was one or two years when I might have had a mullet-ish <laughs> type look to me, but uh, I did have that party in the back going on. Jake, you ever have a bowl cut? Uh, yeah. Of course, right? Jake, Gordon, you ever have a bowl cut? Uh, I don't think so. I begged and my mother uh, had a hair shop in her house growing up. She, that's what she did professionally. Begged her and begged her and begged her and begged her for her bowl cut. And she finally did it one time. And it was the year after everyone had stopped getting bowl cuts. <laughs> well, I, a little late, but better yeah. late than never. I, I think Gordon should bring back that uh, the hairstyle. Who was the, God, who was the basketball player? He played for the Cavs. Drew uh, Gooden. Drew Gooden. That's what Gordon needs to bring back is just the, the, the bar co- coat on the neck. The, the patch of hair on the back of the head. Yeah. Nah. And that's it. Completely no. bald except for just a, a weird patch. Credit right card on, shaped patch right of hair. Right on the back. No, you not could, doing that. I told, I told you guys about the time my dad was giving me a, a flat top and he forgot to put the attachment on, so I had the inverted mohawk. Yeah. I never forgave him for that because then he had to buzz the rest of it off. And it was right when long hair was in style when I was a kid. I hated that. I bet he did it on purpose. Probably. My hippie son, you're going to get an army cut. (laughs) Exactly. Wouldn't Gordon look good with the Drew Gooden? He'd bring it back. You're if popular. Anyone would look good with it. It'd be Gordon, and he's po- you're popular enough, Gordon, that you could you could set some trends here. I don't think let's, so. Let's let's get no. the just the straight patch on the back of the head. You're not gonna. You, why not? I see. I uh, Gordon, I have a better idea. Since Jake has refused to record incriminating audio, still I haven't refused to do anything. No, he ought to. He, we ought to make him get either the Drew Gooden haircut or the uh, lips tattoo on his neck <laughs> one or the other i haven't refused to do anything you guys just have haven't you recorded made, it you haven't made me do it i'm not gonna voluntarily do it it's your idea austin make him do it well, we're certainly him. not gonna do it right now let's get out to the zone phone joining us that we've got to get to andrew i can't do it we can't do it now you haven't even you haven't even decided excuses you haven't Always even decided what i'm going to say you have you guys this is your responsibility i'm not going to do this for you because it's coming at my expense Whatever. Ugh, you two are the it's worst. Difficult. Making up rules and then breaking them. Join us That's now Scott. from Wasatch Medical Clinic, our friend Andrew Reinhardt. And uh, how about this? Andrew, you guys are breaking all the traditional rules with uh, treatments for ED. You guys are, are new and doing it different. Yes, we are. That's exactly right. And what's so unique is you don't have to have the pill anymore for ED. And that is why so many guys are doing these treatments, the acoustic wave therapy, as you know, clinically shown to open up and regrow blood vessels. That's the key, more blood flow. That means a stop to the ED. You don't have to take the pill. And you get the spontaneity back, Jake. That's what so many couples want. Yeah, turn back the clock. Go back uh, to to when you were younger and and spontaneity, you know, you didn't even give it a second thought. You can get back there. That's exactly right. Every guy can think of back to those good old days when things worked like they should. You didn't have to stress. You didn't have to pre-plan. As far as I know, when it comes to ED, at least, our treatment is the only thing that can do that. All right. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call and get on that schedule. Get in to see the doctor. And uh, you guys are taking all the risk out of this for our listeners. 
We are call us now, and we will do the assessment for free, the exam for free. We'll even do a blood flow ultrasound for free. And this is the last chance of the day. So if you want to put a stop to the ED, if you're sick of the pills, call us now. Uh, free offer. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you. All right. Give them a call. 801-901-8000. More next. 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Wrap it up, a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's been a fun show today, Gordon. We've got the movie zone coming up next. Oh, it's going to be on. Oh, because it's always on Thursday. That's right. I did the same mistake last <laughs> week. I really That's did. Because right. I see you t- tweet out about the, the poll, poll question. question yeah. And I was going to ask you about the poll question. You can. You still got 24 or something hours. We did this test yesterday. Right, give, it, it. give it to me and let me think about it. Uh, first na- uh, name of a f- uh, a sorry, the name of an actor or actress that comes to your mind when I say horror film. Jamie Lee Curtis, Estelle okay. Getty. Estelle Getty. <laughs> that that <laughs> that stopper my mom will shoot movie was terrifying. <laughs> Who was the actress you made up the other week, Gordon? That you claimed she was really famous. Uh, Greta Garbo. That girl. Yeah. I don't think she was in any horror flicks. I don't think she was in any flicks. Oh, she was in a lot. Uh, how about, uh, what's that dude who was in uh, Psycho? Is it Anthony Perkins? What was that guy's name? Oh, I, I don't know. I think it was Richard Simmons. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so what, What? Uh, give us a hint. Who is Who is one of the more prominent names being? Uh, the one you said first. Jamie Lee Curtis is the leader in the clubhouse, as it were. Not mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock? No, no, not Alfred Hitchcock. He's more of the director that puts himself in his movies. Well, yeah, didn't, they, he, didn't he call all actors like cattle or something? Probably. I'm sure he wasn't a great guy, but he made a great movie. Movies. He made lots of movies. That's didn't what he? I mean. He yeah. made. He knew how to make a good movie. Yeah. Was he not a good guy? I don't know anything about Alfred I Hitchcock. Don't I don't know either. I don't know. I just said I'm sure he wasn't because not a lot of people back then were. What? <laughs> what? You know, Second World War and all. <laughs> nice. What other names are there, Jake? Who do you think of when you think of a horror flick? Oh, man. Let's see here. Betsy Ross. Who was the guy who played uh, Freddy Krueger? Robert England. Robert England. Carl Speckler. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, we'll I, don't want, I don't watch a whole lot of the genre. So I don't, maybe Neither I don't. do I. Who's so. the... Who's the uh, Who's the music guy turned film director? Uh, Rob Zombie? Didn't he make a bunch of horror films? I think he made one a rendition of Halloween. Was it? Yeah. Huh. All right. So, well, anywho. Gordo, you enjoy your evening, buddy. I will talk to you tomorrow. All right, Jake. Uh, have a great one. And everybody out there, with the way things are going right now, stay safe. Uh, we're going to be at Mark Miller Subaru tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, going to be at the Southtown location. Looking forward to uh, going and hanging out with Jeff and the crew. Uh, we'll talk to you then on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.